bird, silly, said Edmund. It's an owl, said Peter. This is going to be a wonderful place for birds. I shall go to bed now. I say, let's go and explore tomorrow. You might find anything in a place like this. Did you see those mountains as we came along? And the woods? There might be eagles. There might be stags. There'll be hawks. Badgers, said Lucy. Foxes, said Edmund. Rabbits, said Susan. But when next morning came, there was a steady rain falling so thick that when you looked out of the window, you could see neither the mountains nor the woods, nor even the stream in the garden. Of course it would be raining, said Edmund. They had just finished their breakfast with the professor, and were upstairs in the room he had set apart for them, a long, low room with two windows looking out in one direction and two in another. Do stop grumbling, Ed, said Susan. Ten to one it'll clear up in an hour or so, and in the meantime we're pretty well off. There's a wireless and lots of books. Not for me, said Peter. I'm going to explore in the house. Everyone agreed to this, and that was how the adventures began. It was the sort of house that you never seemed to come to the end of, and it was full of unexpected places. The first few doors they tried led only into spare bedrooms, as everyone had expected that they would. But soon they came to a very long room full of pictures, and there they found a suit of armor, and after that was a room all hung with green, with a harp in one corner, and then came three steps down and five steps up, and then a kind of little upstairs hall, and a door that led out onto a balcony, and then a whole series of rooms that led into each other and were lined with books, most of them very old books, and some bigger than a Bible in a church. And shortly after that they looked into a room that was quite empty, except for one big wardrobe, the sort that has a looking-glass in the door. There was nothing else in the room at all, except a dead blue bottle on the windowsill. Nothing there, said Peter, and they all trooped out again, all except Lucy. She stayed behind because she thought it would be worthwhile trying the door of the wardrobe, even though she felt almost sure that it would be locked. To her surprise, it opened quite easily, and two mothballs dropped out. Looking into the inside, she saw several coats hanging up, mostly long fur coats. There was nothing Lucy liked so much as the smell and feel of fur. She immediately stepped into the wardrobe and got in among the coats and rubbed her face against them, leaving the door open, of course, because she knew that it is very foolish to shut oneself into any wardrobe. Soon she went further in and found that there was a second row of coats hanging up behind the first one. It was almost quite dark in there, and she kept her arms stretched out in front of her so as not to bump her face into the back of the wardrobe. She took a step further in, then two or three steps, always expecting to feel woodwork against the tips of her fingers. But she could not feel it. This must be a simply enormous wardrobe thought Lucy, going still further in and pushing the soft folds of the coats aside to make room for her. Then she noticed that there was something crunching under her feet. 
I wonder, is that more mothballs? she thought, stooping down to feel it with her hand. But instead of feeling the hard, smooth wood of the floor of the wardrobe, she felt something soft and powdery and extremely cold. This is very queer, she said, and went on a step or two further. Next moment, she found that what was rubbing against her face and hands was no longer soft fur, but something hard and rough and even prickly. Why, it is just like branches of trees, exclaimed Lucy. And then she saw that there was a light ahead of her, not a few inches away where the back of the wardrobe ought to have been, but a long way off. Something cold and soft was falling on her. A moment later she found that she was standing in the middle of a wood at night-time, with snow under her feet and snowflakes falling through the air. Lucy felt a little frightened, but she felt very inquisitive and excited as well. She looked back over her shoulder, and there, between the dark tree-trunks, she could still see the open doorway of the wardrobe, and even catch a glimpse of the empty room from which she had set out. She had, of course, left the door open, for she knew that it is a very silly thing to shut oneself into a wardrobe. It seemed to be still daylight there. I can always get back if anything goes wrong, thought Lucy. She began to walk forward, crunch, crunch, over the snow and through the wood toward the other light. In about ten minutes she reached it and found it was a lamp post. As she stood looking at it, Wondering why there was a lamppost in the middle of a wood, and wondering what to do next, she heard a pitter-patter of feet coming toward her, and soon after that a very strange person stepped out from among the trees into the light of the lamppost. He was only a little taller than Lucy herself, and he carried over his head an umbrella white with snow. From the waist upward he was like a man, but his legs were shaped like a goat's. The hair on them was glossy black, and instead of feet he had goat's hoofs. He also had a tail, but Lucy did not notice this at first, because it was neatly caught up over the arm that held the umbrella, so as to keep it from trailing in the snow. He had a red woolen muffler round his neck, and his skin was rather reddish, too. He had a strange but pleasant little face, with a short pointed beard and curly hair, and out of the hair there stuck two horns, one on each side of his forehead. One of his hands, as I have said, held the umbrella. In the other arm he carried several brown paper parcels. What with the parcels and the snow, it looked just as if he had been doing his Christmas shopping. He was a fawn, and when he saw Lucy he gave such a start of surprise that he dropped all his parcels. Goodness gracious me! exclaimed the fawn. Chapter 2 What Lucy Found There Good evening, said Lucy. But the fawn was so busy picking up its parcels that at first it did not reply. When it had finished, it made her a little bow. Good evening, good evening, said the fawn. Excuse me. I don't want to be inquisitive, but should I be right in thinking that you are a daughter of Eve? My name's Lucy, said she, not quite understanding him. 
But you are, forgive me, you are what they call a girl? asked the fawn. Of course I'm a girl, said Lucy. You are, in fact, human? Of course I'm human, said Lucy, still a little puzzled. To be sure, to be sure, said the fawn. How stupid of me. But I've never seen a son of Adam or a daughter of Eve before. I'm delighted. That is to say... And then it stopped, as if it had been going to say something it had not intended, but had remembered in time. Delighted, delighted, it went on. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Tumnus. I'm very pleased to meet you, Mr. Tumnus, said Lucy. And may I ask, O oh Lucy, daughter of Eve, said Mr. Tumnus, how you have come into Narnia? Narnia? What's that? said Lucy. This is the land of Narnia, said the fawn, where we are now. All that lies between the lamppost and the great castle of Ker Paravel on the eastern sea. And you, you have come from the wild woods of the west? I, I got in through the wardrobe in the spare room, said Lucy. Ah, said Mr. Tumnus in a rather melancholy voice. If only I had worked harder at geography when I was a little foreign, I should no doubt know all about those strange countries. It is too late now. But they aren't countries at all, said Lucy, almost laughing. It's only just back there. At least, I'm not sure. It is summer there. Meanwhile, said Mr. Tumnus, it is winter in Narnia, and has been for ever so long, and we shall both catch cold if we stand here talking in the snow.